So this scripture, hear the word of the Lord from Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. He summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over unclean spirits. Here we go. He instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff. No bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on an extra shirt. Bizarre, right? He said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much. All right, let's get it. All right, we're in uh, Mark 6, as you can tell. Uh, our usual pattern is that we go verse by verse through a book of the Bible. And so this is where we're at today. All right, and so I'm excited to look into this and see what the Lord has for us. I have a simple question for you. And the question is this, what does it look like today to live missionally for Jesus? What does it look like, let me say it a different way, what does it look like to live your life as a missionary today? Now, we just read that verse, and you're like, do I got to do that? That's what we're going to talk about. (laughs) We're going to talk about what, what that means. But the thesis is this, the main point is this, is Jesus sends his people on mission together to share his word and pray for people in his name. One, one of the goals of what I do when I, when I preach is I just want to make it plain. Can you say make it plain? Make it plain. I'm, I'm just trying to simplify it as much as possible so that it is not confusing what we, are, what we ought to do and what God is asking us to do. And, and when, I, when I look at the, the distinguished things that, that Jesus and the apostles did, they did two things primarily. They shared God's word, and they prayed for people. Now, we, now when you say it like that, I don't know, maybe, maybe that makes you a little less nervous. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? What, what, how, do I, how do I minister? What, how do I help people for Jesus? You share God's word, and you pray for people. And if you don't get anything out of the sermon, you're like, what does Jesus want me to do? Share God's word and pray for people. Is that simple enough? Is that simple enough? All right, listen, ministry that is Christ-shaped is distinguished by the word of God and prayer. There's a lot of good things we could do, right? And there's a lot of good things that I think we actually do. But what makes a service or a ministry distinctly Christian? The word of God and prayer. That, that That is the sauce, if you will, that makes it specifically honoring to Jesus and furthers his mission. So let's, let's pray before we, get, before we get into this. Lord Jesus, please help us to understand your word, Lord. We want to be obedient. 
Would you incline our heart to obey what you say? And Lord God, would you give us a sense of boldness from the Holy Spirit and, and, and a confidence that if we would obey you, Lord, you'd show up. So give that to us in your name. Amen. So one of the things I get to do is I get to kind of train people to do ministry. It's like one of the main jobs as a pastor. It's a really fun thing to do. Uh, but, but a lot of times people are very intimidated because they're like, what is it? What do I do? And I said, listen, listen, there's a lot of things you could do, but there's, there's some meat and potatoes, if you will, of ministry. Now, I, you're not going to be surprised because I told you what it is, right? The meat and potatoes is what? The word of God and prayer. That's the meat and potatoes right there. Listen, listen, if you look at, like, how can I disciple somebody? That seems like a very complex thing. You're like, do I do this, that, and another? Listen, listen, if you would build relationships with people and you would share God's word and prayer, you would see the Lord do stuff in other people's lives. And what's crazy is a lot of times people will say, you know, how did this happen? How did that ministry go well? How did that person, look, I'm telling you, that's literally what I did. I shared the word of God. I prayed. And, and, and the Lord does amazing, amazing things because it is in this way because the power to help people does not come from us. Yeah? If the power came from us, then we better strategize real hard. We better figure out something to do. If, if, if the power to, to help people follow Jesus, to help people grow, to give people healing, if the power came from us, then we better put our heads together and figure out some, some crazy special strategy. But if the power is from God, what we do will actually evidence that. That the, the tools that we use would demonstrate that the power to help people follow Jesus comes not from me, but from Jesus. And so, and so he gives us this, this really simple strategy. Because he, he didn't tell him to do anything super complicated. Now, it's weird that he told him not to bring stuff. And we'll get to that. But what he told him to do is pretty simple. I want you to go preach and, and, and pray for people. All right. <clears throat> so when he summoned the 12, when we get to that first verse, it says he summoned us. That's such a, such a weighty word. He summoned them. Uh, but <laughs> it's like he commanded them to come near. See, listen. Listen, the 12, they were familiar with Christ. They heard his teachings. And they saw his miracles. And this teaches us something very important. That before we are sent out to do something for Jesus, we have to draw near to Jesus ourselves. A lot of times, a lot of times we have this, this attitude that God is a, is a slave driver, just like do the thing, do the thing, do the thing. But listen, we miss out on getting ministered to by him if we don't draw near to him ourselves. And what's crazy, this is going to trip you out. How do I draw near to him? The word of God and what? And pray, okay, <laughs> it's going to trip you out, right? Yeah, this is crazy. Listen, listen, through time <clears throat> in prayer and in God's word, I am comforted by Christ. He speaks God's grace and kindness to me. And listen, what's crazy is I, I was having a conversation the other day about how I, I, I had this, this moment this week where I was like, God, would you speak to me? Would you speak to me? And, and, I, and then I, I went to go pray and read the Bible and, and he did. He spoke to me through the Bible. And I thought, I, I should know that by now. <laughs> like, that shouldn't be surprising to me. But listen, we draw near to Christ first ourselves so that we know who he is and we have received grace from him. 
Listen, listen, we draw near to Jesus to be ministered to by him. We draw near to Jesus to watch what he does. Listen, in God's word and through God's people, I get to see the character of Jesus. Now, I can't go preach about someone I don't know. I can't invite someone to follow someone who I don't even know what they look like or how they do what they do. But when I spend time in God's word and I spend time with God's people, the, the, the details of the character of Jesus begin to come, come, come to me. I'm like, oh, man, he is good. He is kind. He is gracious. And listen, when we draw near to Jesus, not only are we ministered to by him, not only do we get to watch what he does, we actually catch his heart. The fact of the matter is, <clears throat> when you're near somebody for a long period of time, you begin to share the same desires. You begin to like the same stuff, you know? There's a long time where I would be watching sports, and my son is just like, why are we doing this? But then this year, he started, I'm like, oh, man, he's paying attention. You know, he's looking, he, he, you know, we're watching the NBA game. He's going, whoa, you know, like, and I thought, man, we have spent so much time together that what I like, he begins to like. It's very similar if we spend time with Christ that we care about what he cares about. A good evidence that I've been with Jesus is that what breaks his heart breaks mine. That what he cares about, I care about. Now, we can look in the Gospels, we can see something very clear. Jesus cares about people. Does he not? Jesus cares that people know the love and kindness of his Father. People care that they would hear the message. Uh, Jesus cares that people would hear the message of the Gospel. Listen, if we are near to Jesus... And evidence of that is that we would care that people around us have the opportunity to hear about what Jesus has done for them. So he summons them, and then he sends them out on mission with his authority. He says, it says, he summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over unclean spirits. Now, the first thing we need to know about the text is that he sent them out by pair. He didn't send them out one by one. Listen. Listen, if we're going to serve others in the name of Jesus and speak God's word and pray, we need to do it together, yeah? We need each other because sometimes we get discouraged. We need some accountability. I was talking to a brother. He's like, sometimes you need somebody to make sure you ain't saying nothing crazy. Now, he ain't say that now. You know, <laughs> like, but we need each other. I, I love that he didn't just send them off as lone rangers, but he sent them together. That they will be reminded, oh, we're not doing this by ourselves. We actually have a com community and we can encourage one another. And he also sent them out with his power. The same things that Jesus did, they did. And that's crazy. And what's even crazier is a promise that Jesus gives us in 14 too. He says, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Beloved, when Jesus sends us out, he doesn't send us out in, his own, in, in our own power left to our own devices. He says, the same power that was working in me and my ministry, it's going to work in you. Listen, listen, we are sent out to the least and the lost by the commission and authority of Jesus. You might think, well, he told this to the 12, but let me tell you what he says to all of us in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them 
to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Beloved, that, that, is, that is our collective mission as a church. The reason, look, look, it could be that we get saved and then we just go to heaven, right? That could be how it worked out. And, and, and John said, like, yes. It's a joke. Sorry, I couldn't remember. John tells me that, lets me know that we should desire to be with Jesus. But the fact of the matter is Jesus left us here with a particular mission. And our mission, the reason that we exist is not just to get in holy huddles. The reason we exist is that we would make disciples of those around us. We put our, a little flavor on it. We say our mission is to preach the gospel, produce disciples, and pursue justice. It's just a, a mix and match of Matthew 28. Is that we would preach what Jesus has, has, has taught us to preach, that we would obey him, and that we would be kind to people. And the only reason that we would have the audacity to talk about sin, judgment, grace, and eternal life is because Jesus told us to do it. Think about the audacity. Like, like think about the audacity. You're going to come talk to somebody about these weighty issues, weighty topics that have caused uh, controversy. That, that, that at times caused division. Why in the world would I have the audacity to talk to you about that? Because Jesus told me to do it. That's it. He has given us his authority. He says, I want you to go and do this. Now, when we get to, to verse 8, we, in verse 8 and 9, those, those are the ones that probably stood out to you because they were strange. What this teaches us is that we must trust God for provision for the mission. In verse 8, it says, he, Jesus, instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff. No bread, no traveling bag, no money in the belt, but to wear sandals. Those are traveling shoes back in the day. To wear sandals and not to put on an extra shirt. He called the apostles to radical reliance of provision from God. They were not allowed to take supplies so, so that they could learn that God would supply all their needs. Now, now imagine the confidence that they would have had as they took nothing, but God sustained every need that they had. Now, listen, that was, that, was, that was to the apostles. I'm not telling you to take your shoes off and put some sandals on. But what I am telling you that is, is that sometimes we feel under-equipped to share God's word and pray. Do we not? Does it, does it not feel intimidating? I don't even know if I need to say that. I don't even know what I'm praying. Do we feel scared? All right? Sometimes we don't think we have enough information. If I just knew the Bible better, I'd be able to say this, that, and if I just, if I knew this particular verse, if I knew this thing, or sometimes we think we don't have enough resources, like, oh man, I don't know how to get to over there, or, or something, but, but, but listen, we have to trust God will provide what we need as we obey him. One of my favorite stories is, is one of the first evangelists in, in the Gospel of John is a Samaritan woman, and her preparation was one conversation with Jesus. She had one conversation with Jesus, and then she went away, and she just said, let me tell you what just happened. Listen, God wants to train you as you obey. If you keep waiting for some magical, you know, little pixie dust to make you ready to, be, to go minister for God, you won't do it. But if you would say, I, what I have, the little knowledge I have, the feeble prayers that I have, I'm going to go use that. And you see God's provision. He trains you as you go. <clears throat> and y'all, I, I, I can say that this church is a living testimony that God provides supernatural provision as we obey him. It really is. It really is. 
Because some, some of y'all, y'all, y'all just got here. Y'all remember how it used to be. <laughs> you know, I remember years, years ago, uh, we were renting uh, a little church building a couple of streets over on Ray Street. And if I'm going to be honest, our, our rental relationship was a little rocky. All right. And so I'm going around uh, looking at these little storefronts around here like, how much is that? Oh, Lord. How much is that? Oh, no. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know where we're going to be. You know what I'm saying? And so I get this text. I get this text from, from our landlord. He's like, you need to come. We need to talk right now. And I'm like, oh, man. So I text the leaders. I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do on Sunday. Y'all look like we're about to get up out. You know, I got there. I said, hello. <laughs> he said, I just wanted to let you know that I'm quitting and you can have the church. What? I said, say He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Um, in two weeks, I'm out. Uh, here are the keys. And I was like, we got to do some paperwork. <laughs> you can't just be giving me keys. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, you know what I'm saying? And so I went down to County Square. I learned a lot about paperwork uh, in that time. But, but the Lord provided for us in such a supernatural way. And, and y'all, about two years ago, we, we were in that church that we were given. And we were like, oh, no. We got, we, it was a small church. Like, we're about to have to go to two services. Do we even have enough volunteers for that? I was, I was seriously thinking, like, I don't know if we can even do that. And then I, I was contacted by Oakcrest Baptist. And we started a conversation. And we merged, and, and we have this church building. Listen, I don't, in the history of church plants, I don't know of a church plant that got two buildings for, for no pay. <laughs> That's God's provision. That's God's provision. Like, we're just going to, like, we're just going to go out there, we're going to try to do something, and we're going to trust Jesus to provide for us. So, so with that in mind, if anybody don't need to be scared, we don't. I, we don't need to be afraid to try big things for God because we know that he provides. And, beloved, you don't need to be afraid. There might be somebody that you need to have a conversation with, and you're like, well, what if they... How will they, how will they do? No, stop. <laughs> Go and have that conversation. Go and speak God's word. When we get to verse 10, we learn that we have to build long-term relationships with the mission. In verse 10, he says, he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave a place. So what's going on here? The, the apostles were to extend friendship to those that were kind to them. And listen, what they could have done is they could have been like seeking for better houses. You know what I'm saying? But they could have built a friendship and then he got, say he got like a one-star hotel. And somebody's like, oh, I got this four-star. God's like, no, no. If you start building relationships, don't be leaving them. Sit there and, and make relationships and don't, don't be dropping people. See, God would leave the, the apostles to people of peace that would welcome them. And it would be important that they would cultivate that relationship and not simply look for a new friend with a better house. Okay. Jesus wants you to go and build true friendships for the sake of the gospel. That requires some, some emotional and time investment. Now, I need to say that some say that to build friendships for the sake of the gospel means that that friendship will be fake. I don't know if you've heard that before. Well, you kind of have to build friendship just because the friendship exists. Don't none of your friendships work like that. Listen, the reason that you have the friends you do is because you've got certain neighbors and certain co-workers and certain hobbies. You didn't just look out of the slew of people and you were like, you. You know, like, you just happen to be where you be. 
Well, well, Jesus has given us a particular mission to go and build friendships for him, for his kingdom. And we should extend kindness to everybody, but truly seek to invest in those who are open to the investment. What's interesting is, is as, as we've been planting the, the, the church and as we've done ministry, there are certain, uh, certain people, certain institutions that's just nice to us. I don't, I don't know why Carolina High School is so nice to us. They're just nice to us. So I'm like, well, we'll be nice to you too. <laughs> and then we have these opportunities to go and share the gospel for God's grace and his glory. And in your life, there are people around you that might be extending kindness. You need to not just assume that they're just being nice. That might be God's invitation to you to build a friendship for his glory and his mission. Who knows the opportunities for the gospel and discipleship that the Lord might have planned? And y'all, sometimes, sometimes you build friendships for a while before you actually get to share something. Sometimes you got to build, build a, 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 a kind of a, a friendship or a repertoire or something. You, you have to build a relationship. Like there's, there, the Lord has placed specific people around you to share his word and pray for. And there are some conversations that you cannot and will not have if you have not built a relationship to have it. But, there are com- but, but there's, this is, the, the crazy thing is there, there are people that I've known for years. And then one day an opportunity just opens up. And I find we, we're talking about the Lord and we're praying. But if I had not invested in the relationship beforehand, that opportunity would not have come up. So we need to invest relationally with those around us and look for opportunities to share God's word and pray. I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. What I want you to do, share what? Share God's word and pray. And verse 11 is an interesting uh, uh, a thing. It says leave, we need to leave others' rejection of the message of the gospel in God's hands. In verse 11, if anyone does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. I don't know if that sounds harsh to you or not, but at least it wasn't if they don't receive it, smack them in the head. I mean, like, it, it wasn't like go attack them, you know, like go bully them into the gospel. That was, that's not what it is. Right, right. It's, it's, it's actually like, okay, well, that's, that's between you and the Lord. All right, let me just go on about my business. It's not uncommon to get rejected for sharing God's word. Okay, that's probably why we we're afraid to do it, right? And Jesus anticipates that it will happen. And to be honest, this has been one of the hardest transitions for me from being just a dude who goes to church to being a pastor. Man, people will drop you quick. Quick. I'm like, we had lots of conversations about lots of stuff, and you out. All right, cool. Listen, listen, it's hard to extend care and friendship and be rejected, is it not? But if you share God's word and pray for folks, there will be times of rejection. It's unavoidable. But here's the deal. We are not to take that rejection personally. In Luke 10, 16, it says, whoever listens to you, this is Jesus talking, whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects the one who sent, and whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. The point of the matter is this. Listen, if we share God's word and we pray and we represent Jesus, we'll face rejection. And Jesus is saying, listen, listen, don't take that personally. Don't be going holding bitterness in your heart. Don't slap nobody in the face. Don't bully nobody. Just say, all right, it's up to the Lord. Let me just back up. Let me just, uh, that, that's, that's between you and the Lord. We are to leave the judgment of others to God. Yeah. Romans 12, 19 says, friends, do not avenge yourselves. 
instead leave room for God's wrath. Because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But let's just keep it plain. If somebody rejects you because of you sharing the gospel, then you just move on. <laughs> now, here's the craziest thing. Here's the craziest thing. If you still be friendly, because I've seen times when people have rejected, a year or two later, they'll come back around and be like, you remember what we talked about? I'm like, oh, snap. Now, if I, if I, if they, when they rejected the gospel, if I would have just been mean and I don't know, the opportunity is gone. But I just entrust it to the Lord. In verse 12, Jesus tells the content of what they ought to preach. It says, so they went out and preached that people should repent. It was a very simple thing. People should repent. Listen, the apostolic gospel is one of repentance. The person who prepared the way for Jesus, his name was John the Baptist. And he came and he preached, repent. Then Jesus Christ showed up on the scene and he said, repent. And then the apostles came and they said, repent. The rub of the gospel is not grace or belief, but it's repentance. That, that's, that's the rub. That I'm going to tell, like, not just Jesus loves you, but Jesus loves you and you need to do some stuff to change your life. You can't tell me what to do. Well, Jesus can. <clears throat> you, you have to tell someone that they are wrong for there to be repentance. Yeah? If, if I'm telling you to repent, the assumption is there's something you're doing that you should not be doing. And that is the rub. That, that's why there is conflict. That's why there is rejection. But let me tell you, if there is a gospel preached without repentance, it's not the gospel. Jesus said it, the apostles say it, and we say it today. That if we are going to follow Jesus and that anybody around us is going to follow Jesus, that you would say, instead of me, me sitting on the throne of my life, Jesus Christ is to sit there. And that means he, he can tell me what to do. And that means that when, when I'm doing something that don't, doesn't honor him, I'm going to say, I need to turn. And I need to follow him. We must proclaim the whole gospel. Yeah? Proclaim the whole counsel of God. When you get to verse 13, we see that God works in our efforts for his mission. It says, they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So the apostles obeyed the commands of Jesus and God did work. I don't know how confident they were feeling. I don't know, I don't know if they thought it was going to work or not. But just imagine the first time they preached and prayed for somebody. It's like, oh, snap. Did you see that? That person believes. He got healed. Did you see? There's sometimes when, when I, I'm not going to lie, I be doing ministry, I'm like, I don't even know this is going to work. <laughs> I don't even know. But then when it happens, I'm like, man, look at God. <laughs> like, look what he did. Like, I just imagine their surprise and joy because, listen, it wasn't, it wasn't contingent on them. They didn't do anything creative. They preached a simple message, and they prayed for people, and God showed up. So let us trust God to work as we share God's word and pray for others and we can share in that same surprise and joy. That, that's, that's the opportunity that we have. So again, the, 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 what I'm asking you to do today is, is not complex. It might be hard to get over some hurdles in your own heart, but it's not, it's not like rocket science here. But if we would do that, if we would trust God, what would God do? What would he do? What if, think about it. What if everybody in this room made a commitment? Man, I'm going to build relationships with those who are around me, my neighbors, my coworkers, whoever. And I'm going to look intentionally for times to share God's word and to pray for them. 
What? Listen, I, I imagine if we all did that, that in a year, there'd be like double the amount of people here. But let's not be afraid. Let's not be afraid. See, I, one of the things I love about Jesus is he doesn't, do, he doesn't tell us to do stuff that he himself doesn't do. See, Jesus himself was sent by the Father on a mission. Yeah, he was sent, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world in this way. He gave, he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus was sent by the Father to speak God's word. Yeah? What is the nuts and bolts of Jesus' ministry? God's word and prayer. That's what he did. That's what he went around to do. And Jesus was sent by the Father to die in our place for redemption. In other words, the, the obedience cost him something, yeah? It cost him something. He was rejected for speaking that truth of repentance. Yet in his rejection, in his death, there is life for us. And that is the, the, the confusing thing about serving the Lord. Paul can say, he can say, listen, he can say, death is at work in me, but life in you. That, that when we serve God, there are going to be times when it's hard where it's really hard, where you feel rejected and you're perplexed and you're confused, but all around you, life is going out. That is the opportunity that we have to follow in Jesus' steps. And Jesus says in John 20, 21, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, I'm being real redundant, but I don't care. We're going to get it in there. God sent Jesus to do what? To speak God's word, pray, ultimately to die for our sins. And Jesus sends us to go and speak God's word and pray and trust that the sufficiency of his sacrifice works in lives right now. So don't be surprised if you encounter hardship in the mission because Jesus experienced hardship in his. Yet we ought to have faith that God will use the hardship for the good of others. Now listen. I've been trying to be real practical. We're going to get real, real practical. How do I share God's word? What does that look like? I'm going to give you some simple things. You do some homework and gather together some scriptures that you would regularly share with others. Pick two or three. Pick two or three. I'll give you some of my go. I got some go-to scriptures, okay? There's some go-to scriptures that I find myself having to to talk to people who are in, in, uh, in pain and, and in suffering. So a lot of my, the scriptures I go to have to deal with that. But, but Psalm 30, 34, 18 says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted, and he saves those crushed in spirit. That, song, that, that, that is just in my heart, and I find myself just saying it. And what's crazy, you'll think, well, what does that do? Listen, I don't know why it works, but it's because God's word is powerful. And when you speak God's word... God's spirit does something with it. Or, or I, I talk to people who feel a lot of guilt a lot of times. So another one of the verses that I like to, 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 to say is, is 1 Timothy 1.17. It says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them. So some of you are like, I, don't, I feel like I'm too sinful for Christ to love me. Well, I, the Christ came into the world to save you. <laughs> he came into the world to save sinners. And you would, listen, the, the craziest thing is you're thinking, does this work? It seems so simple. That's the point. That in the foolishness of obedience, God works. Yeah? Or I, I might deal with someone who, who, who feels like, man, has God abandoned me? I go to 2 Timothy 11 through 13. He says, this saying is trustworthy. 
For if we die with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we also reign. If we deny him, he also denies us. Here's 13, y'all. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. So, so you, you do some homework. What are some scriptures? What are, what are some, some truths that I can just hide in my heart so that I can be ready to share God's word? Because God's word is powerful. And then the other thing, pray. Pray. Listen, I'm encouraging you to pray on the spot for others. If somebody around you is suffering, I want, I don't, say, don't say I'm going to pray for you later. Pray then. Pray then. And you don't got to do no King James prayer. It don't got to be fancy. One of, I mean, one of my favorite prayers is, is Jesus. He's about to pray when he's, when he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. It, Jesus is almost a little snarky in it. He's like, Father, I'm talking to you. I know you always hear me, but I'm talking to you so they know that, that, that you hear me. <laughs> so they don't. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, but it, it wasn't complicated. It wasn't. It, it, listen, we, we keep it short. And what is the content of, of our prayers? We use the patterns from Scripture. Beloved, you speak God's word and you pray God's word. And you pray in faith. You, you just, again, because you don't know how the Lord might use that. And here's the deal. What I'm telling you to do could honestly take a total of five minutes in the interaction. I'm not telling you to go to de- debate somebody. Just speak God's word and pray and then go, I trust you, Lord. You'll use it. You'll use it. So let's trust God to use our efforts of sharing his word and praying for others to expand the kingdom. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you just for your instructions. As you have instructed us uh, about what you want us to do through your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that, um, I'm going to pray Acts 1-8, that, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit and we would be your witnesses. Would we be Holy Spirit-empowered witnesses to the gospel of God's grace. Lord God, I I pray that that when we stand before you that we won't have to look in our life at a bunch of missed opportunities. But Lord, we would be vigilant and would look diligently and say, when can I share your word? When can I pray? When can I serve? When can I love? When can I build relationships? Help us be about your business, Lord Jesus, and empower us to do it. In your name, amen. Amen.